This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. It's a very common thing for people to come up to me after the service, uh, particularly healing school service, and they'll want me to pray for them. If the service doesn't necessarily go that direction for us to lay hands on people as a, as a group, um, then, uh, then I'm always available to pray for people if they want to come up and ask me to, and, and, um, and, and that's a very common thing for people to do. And uh, very often people will come, and, and any time, whether you're part of us, whether you've been with us forever, whether I know what you're believing for already or whatever, I will always ask people the same thing, and that is, what scripture are you standing on? In other words, if you want me to pray, I need to know what we're praying about. I think too many prayers go unanswered because they're this nebulous, vaporous, well, let's just pray. And you may be thinking one thing and I'm thinking another thing. That's not the kind of prayer that gives answers. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effectual means effective. So praying effectively is the key. Well, the way you pray effectively is you pray based on what the Word says. You do what the Bible says. You put God in remembrance of what He said. You base your prayer on His Word. Always pray the Word. So... We started a series some weeks ago on what does it really mean to stand in faith. Now, we're using in Ephesians chapter 6, verses, uh, I think it's verses 13 and 14, part of verse, um, uh, well, part of these two verses is, uh, is kind of our beginning point. We'll start in verse 13. It says, Paul is telling us by the Holy Ghost, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Another translation says, with, uh, stand when evil attacks you. I like that. Stand when evil attacks you. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. So we've gone into some detail about the two, uh, two, uh, periods or the two, um, well, I've lost the word that I was trying to use. The, the two time frames, the two parts of standing. Number one is a preparation period, having done all to stand. See, a lot of times people aren't able to stand because they didn't make the preparation up front. Well, that preparation has to be getting the word of God on the inside of you. God told Joshua before he ever fought any of the enemies, before he ever stood against any of the, the enemies of Israel, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, he said to meditate in the Word of God. Don't let the Word of God depart out of your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. In other words, he's saying prepare yourself before you ever go to battle. He didn't say, now when you get in battle, here's what you do. No, he's saying if you're going to be a success in leading the children of Israel, you're going to have to do the preparation. This book of the law, the word of God, in other words, shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So meditating must have something to do with speaking the word then. God put those two things together. Don't let the word depart out of your mouth. That means keep speaking it and meditate. That's what meditating is. Meditating is speaking the word of God to yourself so that it becomes a part of you, the real you on the inside. The hidden man of the heart. Why are we supposed to do that? Well, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do it. Most people I've found that are, 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 most Christians I've found are really sincere about wanting to obey God. Well, why do Christians have such a hard time doing what the Bible says? Because they don't get a, make it a part of their heart. They don't equip themselves with the knowledge of the word of God by meditating or speaking the word of God so that they have it when the situation arises. It's most of the time too late when you come upon a situation and you've got to look in the Bible to see what it says to do. Especially if it's a crisis. That's the last time you want to go search in the Bible to see, now wait a minute, what does the Bible tell me to do about this? You need to know ahead of time what the Bible instructs for you to do in times of crisis so when the crisis arises and most of the time they're sudden, then you're ready to act. 
So he says, meditate in the word that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein for then. After meditating by speaking the word of God and acting on the word of God, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Here's what God's telling Joshua about how to be a success as a leader. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Scripture doesn't even say God will make your way prosperous. It says you do it. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. The Amplified says you'll be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life. Well, how's that going to work? It's going to work by speaking the word of God, preparing yourself up front, and then acting on it when the situation arises. So that's what standing, having done all to stand means. But then there's another side. There's another aspect to standing, and that is it's not preparation. It's what to do in the middle of the fight. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore. Now he goes through and tells you how to stand. He says, stand with the armor of God. Having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He talks about this helmet of salvation. He talks about the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith that's able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He tells you what those pieces of the armor are. Those sound like things that a soldier would wear in a battle, doesn't it? He's talking about being equipped for war. Well, let's back up a little bit to verse 10 and see the context of what he's talking about because we've talked about different aspects of this. We've talked about the preparation side of standing in faith. We've talked about your words being so important. Mark eleven twenty three. you can have what you say. We've talked about the prayer of faith in Mark eleven twenty four. what the prayer of faith means and how it operates. And these are things that we've discussed before. But tonight I want to talk to you about a different aspect of that. It all ties in together. But I want to talk to you about a different aspect. And in order to do that, we need to see the context of what Paul is speaking. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice it says be strong in him. It doesn't say be strong in yourself. It says be strong in him and in the power of his might. In other words, you can be strong in the Lord and expect him to supply you the power you need. Some people say, well, Pastor Mike, I, you know, all of us just don't have faith like you do. Or everybody just doesn't have the same measure of faith. And I just don't have the same kind of faith and all this kind of stuff. Well, you can. It's your choice. It's a choice of being strong. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How are we going to do that, Paul? Holy Ghost tells you. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's telling you the key to being strong is to put on the armor of God. Now, we've already defined what the armor of God is in verses, uh, what is it, verse 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those three and a half verses tell you what the armor of God is. And every one of them have to do with knowledge of the word of God and the application of that word in your life. That means being strong. If being strong means putting on the armor and the armor means applying the word to your life, that means the only way you're going to be strong is by being a doer of the word. Okay. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This is... um, this translation, the English translation of this verse is the most benign scripture that I'm aware of. There is so much hidden by the English translation of this verse. And it's not that the translators try to do anything wrong. I don't mean that. It's not like the devil used the translators to try to trick us. It's that the meaning of this verse does not come through to such a degree that most people don't know how the devil operates. Hidden in this verse of Scripture. The reason it's hidden is because the the translation doesn't bring it out. Hidden in this verse of Scripture is the knowledge of how the devil operates so that you can stand against him. 
So many times Christians don't know if God's doing something in their life or if the devil's doing something in their life or whoever's doing something. Was this God? Was this the devil? Was this me? Who knows? Lots of people out there and lots of trouble going on. Who knows what's going on? But the Bible identifies what the devil does and how in this verse of Scripture. And it's all in the word, word wiles. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do any of you use the word wiles in a normal conversation? The closest that I can come up to is the old Roadrunner cartoons where the, the coyote was named Wiley Coyote. Wiley E. Coyote. Well, we know from that that Wiley E. Coyote was always trying to deceive or trick the Roadrunner so he could have him for dinner. Right? But beyond that, what do wiles mean? The word wiles is very instructive. If you look it up in the Greek, it means literally this. It means a traveling over. It means trickery. The image, the mental picture that the word brings is the road that somebody travels on. Now, what the Bible is telling us is being strong in the Lord by putting on the armor of God, the knowledge of God's word will keep you from uh, being tricked by the devil into taking the wrong road. And folks, I want you to understand, that's all the devil can do. Paul did not say by the Holy Ghost. Now, be aware that the devil works like this, like this, like this, like this, and this, and gives us a list of 10 or 20 things. And any of those things could be the operation of the devil, so you need to be on your guard. And I would further submit to you, if the devil does work by 10 or 20 different things, and God didn't tell us, And didn't give us a list. He's done us a great injustice. But thank God he's not unjust. He gave us the one way that the devil operates. And that one way is to try to trick you into taking the wrong road. The Bible's telling you two things by using this word. He's saying there's one road the devil travels on. And he's trying to trick you to take his road. There's one and only one road the devil travels. One and only one road the devil travels. If he can't get you on his road, he can't influence you. So what does he do? He tries to deceive you into taking the wrong turn. Jesus said, my sheep hear and know my voice. And a stranger they won't follow, for they know not the voice of strangers. In other words, the Bible's telling us, and it tells us in a lot of different scriptures, it tells us that God will show you which road to take to victory. Paul just did by the Holy Ghost. He said the road to victory is put on the armor of God. But if instead you allow the devil to trick you into taking his, the devil's road, then number one, you're not going to be strong. Number two, you're not going to receive the answers to your prayers. You're not going to effectively stand when evil attacks you. You're going to crumble and fall. So it's all about the road you take. Absolutely. The only, the only thing about this is taking the right road and staying on that road. So now what does he say? Notice the next verse. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now why in the world would he tell you about people when he's talking about the devil's trickery? Why in the world would he start talking about people when he's, when he's, the context is being strong in the Lord and stay off the devil's road? Has Paul flipped out? Has he changed subjects? No, he hasn't changed subjects. He's talking about the same thing. He's saying, don't think it's about people. It's about one and only one thing, and that's staying off the devil's road. Staying on the right road, which is the word, 
and off the devil's road, which is the wrong road. It's the key to everything. Don't get tied up with what people are doing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, who then do we wrestle with, Paul? But we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Why is he telling us about evil spirits? Because they're sent to influence you to take the devil's road. That's the work of the enemy. That's the work of evil spirits. To try to influence you to take the wrong road. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. My mother called up and said, you have to turn on the TV. You have to watch this man. Suddenly we're watching it every Sunday. It started the whole, well, maybe we should go to church. We're going to get out of our pajamas on Sunday morning and we're going to go to church. And now you can't get us to not come to church. And pastors teaching, you know, it was outstanding on television, but you were kind of shocked by how much more there was when it wasn't just the the half an hour, but you know, his full message. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if he put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. So he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against these evil spirits in high and heavenly places. Wherefore, verse 13, because this is true, take unto you the whole armor of God. Knowledge of God's word will keep you off the devil's road. Knowledge of who you are in Christ. That's what the armor of God is all about. Your loins girt about with truth. In other words, knowing that the word of God is truth instead of the other things and the other information that comes at you in life. Knowing that the word of God is supreme will keep you off the devil's road. Now, that presupposes you're going to do what the Bible says and not just set it on the shelf and say, well, okay, I know that's true, but oh well. It presupposes that you're going to do the word, and that's what it means, put on the armor of God. Be a doer of the word in these areas. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. In other words, it means take what the Bible says is truth instead of anything and everything else that comes. There's a lot of things that look to be true in life that aren't. That's what this is saying. The devil's going to try to show you things that look to be true, but if we recognize that the Word of God is truth, and if we're girded, and your loins girt about with truth, means to hold your inner man, the very center of your being. If it holds the center of your life, if the Word of God holds the center of your life, so that you say, it is true, no matter what I see, or no matter how things appear, then I can stay off the devil's road and stay on God's road. Now, how do we do that? We can go through all the armor and talk about how each one is an important piece. That's not our purpose tonight. The real question is, how do we do that? Well, notice Paul is talking about instruments of war. Notice he's talking about wartime equipment. Soldiers, armor, suit, equipment. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks to the Corinthians about warfare. Now, it wouldn't make sense if the Holy Ghost is inspiring both of these letters to be written by the same man. If the Holy Ghost is consistent, then the warfare that he talks about to the Corinthians is going to be the same kind of warfare he's trying to instruct the the Ephesians about, wouldn't it? I mean, there's only one fight that we fight, and that's the fight against the enemy, the fight of faith, to stand effectively when evil attacks us, right? 
So he wouldn't be talking about a different aspect of warfare to the Corinthians. If the Bible is true, it's got to be consistent. So notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said, in beginning in verse 3, by the Holy Ghost, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That sounds a lot like what he said in verse 12 about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? He's saying we are in a war, but it's not a fleshly war. It's not a natural war. Now, why is that important? He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. They're not natural things. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He's saying we do war, but it's not a fleshly or a natural war. It's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. That means, therefore, that the devil's road is not a natural road. It's got to be a spiritual road. Otherwise, we'd be warring in the flesh. We'd be trying to stay off the natural road that the devil uses. But Paul tells us by the Holy Ghost, it's not a natural thing. Our weapons are not carnal or natural or earthly. They're not things you can put your finger on and and poke and feel and hold in your hand like a natural sword would be or a natural shield would be. Wouldn't it be nice if the shield of faith was was a natural thing where we'd know whether or not we've got it up or not? Well, that might be nice to satisfy our our feelings, but it wouldn't work as well. So he says, for though we war in the flesh, we do not, uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh, for our weapons are not natural weapons, but they're mighty through God. Well, if they're not natural weapons, what does that mean? It means they've got to be spiritual weapons. They've got to be spiritual weapons. So the armor of God has to be, have to be, uh, spiritual things. We understand that. We understand that the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, is not a natural thing, even though we've got a natural book that we can touch and feel that has the words on the page. But the power is not in the book. The power is in the truth that these words convey. For though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are carnal, not carnal, excuse me, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are the strongholds he's talking about? It sounds like he's talking about doing battle with the enemy. Sounds like he's talking about getting into battle and using that armor of God and using the things God has given us against the enemy. How are we supposed to fight him? Well, we're supposed to get in there and pull down strongholds. You'll find people that are trying to pray and pull down the strongholds of of the devil. Notice where he says the strongholds are. Casting down imaginations. Folks, the only stronghold that the devil can ever use against you is in your mind. That means... That the devil is going to try to trick you through your thinking to take his road. If you can think right, you can stay off the devil's road and gain the victory every time. So what are those strongholds? Casting down imaginations. What are the weapons of our warfare? What does the armor of God do? It pulls down the devil's strongholds. One uh, translation of the word strongholds is fortress. It's as if the devil builds walls. In our thinking that stopped the things of God from taking place. Jesus said uh, at one time when the Pharisees uh, were coming and questioning him, he said, you do make the word of God of none effect by your traditions. The word traditions that he used in the Greek means reasonings, preconceived notions and ideas. Now think about what Jesus is saying concerning the Jews. Now we know what he's talking about. He's talking about the religious ideas. 
their ideas, preconceived ideas about who God is, what God does, what God won't do, and how God wants things to operate. Jesus said, you make the Word of God, which is the most powerful thing in the universe. It's the very thing that created everything you see and know today. There would be no earth except for the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is without question the most powerful force in the universe. But Jesus said, you can make the Word of God powerless, of none effect. That's what it means. Powerless by wrong thinking. That's the devil's road. The devil can't do anything about the power of the word, but he can keep it from working in you or for you if he can get you thinking wrong. And that's what Jesus is, or that's what the Holy Ghost is trying to tell us. Casting down imaginations and every high thing, please notice that, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now what's a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Anything that says it's true and the word is not is something that is exalting itself above that which is never going to change, that which is eternal, that which is truth, which is the word of God. Anything that says it's true instead of the word is a high thing that needs to be pulled down. Now we're starting to see what the devil's road is, aren't we? The road that he wants you to take is to influence your thinking that something else is more true than God's Word. Let's put this in the context of healing and sickness. The Bible says, it says it's an accomplished fact, says it's already done. The Bible says that you and I were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Yet sickness attacks our body, and what's the first thing that comes with symptoms? The devil speaks to our minds and says, you're not going to get healed this time. Or this is something in some situation that's going on that's too much for you to be able to handle. Now what is it doing? It's bringing a thought to exalt itself against the knowledge of God's word. The truth of God's word that says you've already been healed because of the stripes of Jesus. Now you're going to have to deal with that thought. You're going to have to decide. And this is the decision to make. You are at a fork in the road. Which way? One way is God's road. The other way is the devil's road. You have to make that decision. Each and every time that a thought comes that exalts itself against the truth of God's word, you have to make the decision, which fork in the road am I going to take? You know, it's an amazing thing. You can just well imagine just using that that uh, that word picture, that uh, illustration. You can see how some Christians have gotten so far off of God's road by taking fork after fork after fork after fork that here's the road of God that's a straight path over here. They are so far off track. How in the world do you get over from here back over to where God wants you to be? Sometimes that takes a while. Yet so often you get somebody that's been for years on the wrong road, traveling on the wrong road. They'll hear one message about healing or one message about faith, and they'll say, okay, well, I'll give that a try. I believe I received my healing in Jesus' name, and nothing happens by tomorrow morning. They say, well, that stuff doesn't work. Sometimes you've got to backtrack your steps. Sometimes you've got to retrace and get back off those wrong forks to work your way back over to where the things of God are. And the way you do that is by meditating in the Word of God, by replacing the wrong thinking with the truth of God's Word. And in many cases, that's the only way you can do it. Now, sometimes in God's mercy, He'll just reach down and He'll pick somebody up, just like the man in in the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. He'll pick somebody off the wrong road and just reach over here and set him down on the right road. Thank God for gifts of the Spirit and thank God for manifestations of the Holy Ghost that do those types of things. God initiated works. Thank God for those. 
But those, that was not the majority way that Jesus, or the most common way that Jesus ministered. The most common way that Jesus ministered was requiring faith on the part of the individual. In other words, making a choice to leave this road to get back on the right road. So he says we're supposed to do something about these strongholds. And our spiritual weapons are sufficient to overcome these strongholds, these prisons that the devil makes in our minds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Everybody say every thought. Oh, folks, that is a full-time job. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Or we might say the obedience of what God's Word says. Those are synonymous terms. I know when I first came to the understanding that I had to renew my mind. Man, alive, there were so many things I had to change, I thought I'll never get there. I'll just never get there. I heard Brother Hagin talk about how he had walked with the Lord for 50-something years at that point in time and, and how he had renewed his mind to the Word. And I thought, dear God... I might as well give up now. But let me tell you something. And this is something that the Lord spoke to me that became a great encouragement to me. The renewed mind is not the, word, is not the mind that knows everything the Bible says. Because I don't know everything the Bible says now. I don't think you ever get to the place where you know everything the Bible says. The renewed mind is not the mind that knows everything the Bible says, but the mind that says first and foremost in every situation, what does the Word say? That's when you know you're making progress and renewing your mind. Because you may not know. You may, not, you may have to go find out what does the Bible say. But when you first and foremost identify that the word is truth for me, I'm choosing God's road. I don't know exactly all the information I need about this, but God's road is my choice. That's when you start making progress and renewing your mind. Our confession rules our life. We have what we say, and God intends for us to be able to change our world with our words. You can change your life with your words, too, by making Jesus your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if you believe that God sent Jesus to the earth, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he raised him from the dead, and therefore confess Jesus just by choice as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. That's what changes your life. The belief that you have in what God has done, and the confession that you make with your mouth. A simple prayer of salvation would sound like this. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth, that he died for my sins, and that you raised him from the dead. Therefore, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior now. I thank you, Father, for accepting me into your family. I thank you for saving me. That's all there is to it. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I encourage you to use your confession to change your life to come into the family of God. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. She said, uh, I saw the advertisement for healing school, so we came that night. And she said, I'm, I'd been diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. And she said, uh, uh, I came up to you after the service, and, and I was just sure that you were going to lay hands on me and pray for me when I told you what the situation was, and, and you didn't do it. Well, that sounds like me. She said, you sent me back to the bookstore to get some materials on healing. Well, that sounds like me, too. And she said, I was really disappointed. 
I thought, oh my goodness, my chance to be healed is gone. She said, but I, I did what you said. I went back and I got the book that you told me to. And you had also referred me to the website and told me about some of the messages and different things that I could download and listen to and, and so forth. And she said, the Word of God has changed my life. She said, now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand what belongs to me. She said, I'm, I believe I received my healing. I'm standing in faith for my healing. And she said, and even though I don't go by what it looks like, my symptoms are starting to diminish. Well, why? Because you put the word first. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's word.